everybody and welcome to What the Dictator, the podcast where we talk about dictators. I'm LK and that's Rossi. Hey mate. Hey mate. How is your shit? Uh, it's good mate. I am out of lockdown and I went to a shopping centre yesterday for a very long time and walked three and a half k's. Yes. And you planned your outfit like legitimately six months in advance? I did. I did. I even put a tiny curl in my hair. Jesus. Did you do lip liner and lip gloss? Nah, because we have to wear masks, so the lipstick industry is really suffering. Yeah, yeah. I just started a new job and obviously all my meetings are on Zoom and I've like, because I don't know any of these people, I've committed to wearing like full makeup every time I see them so that they think that I'm always like, put together and not the shit show that I actually am. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a big commitment. I know. I've even started wearing earrings. Whoa. That's good. I know. I know. <laughs> um, I guess I have to ask, like, heard any dictator news this week around the traps? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I haven't. I can't say I have. You? Um, just that the US election, as we record this, is in five days, and I feel like that might be dictator-related. But anyway, this week, we're going to Cuba. We're going to Cuba. Yeah, you fucking excited? Have you been to Cuba? Mate, I fucking wish I'd been to Cuba Uh, so bad, but I bloody haven't. Have you? No, I haven't. I thought that you had for some reason. but I was going to go, but then producer Rob got his knickers in a knot because it only like a couple of years ago where Americans allowed to go it's still very like you know oh so he didn't want to go because of why well I think he (laughs) like there's no um well this is my understanding is that there's very little wi-fi there and there's no American embassy and like you just kind of and you have to go on an official tour where the tour guides take you only to certain places and it's just a bit rigid. And right. producer Rob uh, is more into a libertarian vibe where he does whatever the fuck he wants whenever the fuck he wants and also needs Wi-Fi to do that. So he's more of a Mexico kind of person. Yeah, Def's more of a Mexico kind of person, which, I mean, can't fault Mexico. Good food. <laughs> Good food, yeah. They do a good burrito. Okay, so this week we're talking about Fidel Castro, and it's a bit of a funny one because even now, after he's dead, some people like legit in their soul think that he's a hero, and some people are like, nah, he's a real shady bastard. And doing my research, I'm kind of on the fence. Yeah, right. He had um, he had some good ideas, right? Yeah, and he did some good things, I think, according to the residents of Cuba. Yeah, like isn't one of them like healthcare? Yeah, really good healthcare system, which, I mean, I'm sitting here in America, so lol. Uh, Really good healthcare, really good education. And I remember when um, Hurricane Katrina happened in New Orleans 
and there were all these stories on the news because hurricanes of that level or whatever, like of that severity, happen quite a lot on Cuba, but Cuba have a really like rigid evacuation system and they've just got it down so that very few people get hurt or lose their property. Like they've just, they've sorted it out. Whereas it happened once in New Orleans and like 3,000 people died and it was just horrific. Wow. Yeah, so interesting comparisons. So uh, Fidel Castro was born out of wedlock, gasp. (laughs) Gasp. Yeah. (laughs) Um, On his father's farm on the 13th of August, 1926, and his dad was was born in Spain and was a Spanish expat living in Cuba and his mother was his dad's housekeeper and then his dad divorced his first wife and married the housekeeper and they had seven kids, one of whom was Fidel Castro. Wow, seven kids. Yeah, that's too many. But in I feel like in 1926 it was probably a bit a few short. That's <laughs> true. They had lots of kids then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when he was six, he went to live with his teacher and there is no explanation as to why. I don't know if that was the done thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he wasn't very academically bright, but he was a really good baseball player and baseball's huge in Cuba, which I think yeah. is one of the reasons is such a celebrated hero is because he's good at baseball and they love baseball. It's kind of like how, um, Shane Crawford's really popular. It's because he's good at footy and we love footy. Shane Crawford. Oh, mate, this is an obscure example, (laughs) but I like it. Uh, Castro goes to uni in 1945 and he's pretty bored and that's when he starts getting active in politics. But from the beginning, he doesn't actually have any strong political views. He just kind of likes to fuck shit up. So he starts by joining these like peaceful protests and then before long he's carrying guns and he's like in a gang and he this one historian said about him the only ideas that appear to have driven him were a lust for power a willingness to use violent means to get it and an unwillingness to share it once he had it if he followed any example it was that of napoleon not marx i don't know about the second half of that comment but the first half i think that person has Hit the nail on the head. But just to give a brief history of Cuba, because I always find this really confusing because Cuba's confusing. Okay. It was colonised. The first colonisers were the Spanish and then there was this war and that war and blah, blah, blah. And then it was sort of annexed by the US. So it kind of became a US territory. And then in 1902 it became an independent country, but it was still basically under the thumb of the US, like, the U.S. exploited all their resources. So they would grow sugar for the U.S. market. They would, you know, make cigars, do all those good things, but the benefits generally went to the U.S., which is the, that's the context for Castro getting politically involved, where there are a lot of people in Cuba at the time who were like, the U.S. are too controlling of what we want to do in this independent nation. Yeah, okay, fair enough then. There was this other dictator who was supported by the US who was in power when Castro really started to fuck shit up, and his name was, Jesus, Fulgencio Batista, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, and so this bastard is in control, and in 1952 
he outlaws talk of communism in Cuba. So that just kind of fuels the fire more for people like Castro who are looking for shit to fuck up. Okay. So in 1947, uh, Castro joined this plot to overthrow a U.S. allied government in the uh, Dominican Republic, which is right nearby, and it failed. So a lot of people were in prison, but he got away. And then once he got away, he married this woman called Myrta, and that was a really big deal because normally in Cuba at that time you would have an arranged marriage, but theirs was a love match. Oh, that's nice. I know, but neither family was really into it. So they sort of had to go against the grain to be in love and so cute. Even his old man who married the housekeeper? And so then in 1950 he got a law degree so he can practice law. And then in 52, just like bloody uh, Stalin, he starts publishing a secret newspaper. I think Stalin's was called The Truth and this one's called The Accuser. They always have sexy like pointed names. Yeah, The Accuser. I like that. What would you call your secret socialist newspaper? Oh, Jesus. Um, Why don't you go first? Why don't you tell me what you call yours? Mine would be called, like, The Change. In 1953, Castro was sentenced to 15 years in prison for the rebel attack that launched the Cuban Revolution. The courtroom defence speech he gave lasted four hours and is titled, History Will Absolve Me. I can't neck. Okay, so he's making the accuser and then um, a year later he, he's escaped arrest like a billion times. Eventually he gets caught and goes to prison and is sentenced to uh, 15 years because he plotted some violent attack on the Cuban government who is this US-backed bird Fulgencio Batista. Mm-hmm. So he gets sent to prison. In the prison- Does he serve the, the full 15 years? No. Right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you bet. So in the prison, he starts a school for the prisoners where they can learn to read and write. That's mm-hmm. clever. It's yeah. productive use of time. Exactly. Action item Abby would love it there. Um, and then when he was in prison, he found out over the radio, which I don't totally understand, that his wife, Myrta, got a job with the government which is like he hates the government, so that's a shit thing for her to do in his mind. And he was so upset that he filed for a divorce from prison. It was just like, if you go work for the government, I don't love you anymore. Wow, what is she meant to do? You're in prison. She needs to feed herself. Yeah, I guess. I mean, she could have just, like, worked at the cigar factory, no? (laughs) I mean, I don't know what the economy of Cuba was like in 1953, actually. (laughs) Maybe it's really hard to get a job at the cigar factory. It's really easy to get a job for the government. Yeah, maybe. And her shithouse husband has been sent to prison. What's a girl going to do? Anyway, so we don't see her again. And then um, <laughs> two years after he goes to prison, the government, with the blessing of the US, decide to release him because they think he's relatively harmless. Because he's like, oh, out to school. So yep. they they kind of let him, they just let him go. They don't kind of, they let him go. Oh, yeah, harmless, okay. Uh, then he gets out of prison and has a lot of sex and a lot of illegitimate children. Oh, okay. Which is not a nice thing. I, I shouldn't say illegitimate children, but you know what I mean. A lot of children out of wedlock. 59, 
he basically leads the Cuban revolution and they overthrow the government and there's all kinds of battles and it's all a bit boring to read about. But all you need to know is that he basically won. Amazing. Okay, good. Great recap. I love those recaps where you just give us the stuff we need to know. Castro used to chew on cigars for fun. Later, he decided that was a shit idea and said the best thing to do with a box of cigars was give it to your enemy. What the dick? So he doesn't actually become the big boss. The big boss is a guy called Manuel Arachio Leo, but the Leo has two L's and a little dash above the O, so I'm sure it's not pronounced Leo. Okay. So this guy, Manuel, is officially the boss, but Castro is the actual boss and he moves into the Havana Hilton Hotel and that's his headquarters, which is kind of sexy. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, I know. When he's prime minister, he goes on this, what he calls a charm offensive to the US, where he's like, okay, I'm running this new government, regardless of how I feel about the US, like I I should try and be friends with them. So he goes and meets, no, the president who was Eisenhower at the time refused to meet him because he's, you know, a violent anti-American rebel, basically. Okay. Yeah. So the vice president, who's Nixon, meet him, meets him, and Nixon later told Eisenhower, this is a quote, the one fact we can be sure of is that Castro has those indefinable qualities which made him a leader of men. Whatever we may think of him, he is going to be a great factor in the development of Cuba and very possibly in Latin American affairs generally. His ideas on how to run a government or an economy are less developed than those of any world figure I have ever met. But because he has the power to leave. We have no choice but to at least try and orientate him in the right direction. Wow. So so this is Nixon? Yeah. So Nixon just thinks he doesn't really know what the fuck's going on. Yeah, basically. So an example of the ways Castro leads things. So one of his first reforms is something called the first agrarian reform where he put a cap on the amount of land people in Cuba can own and he banned foreign people from owning it. So um, about 200,000 really poor people got given land for free. Like they took land off people who had a lot of it and gave it to poor people, which obviously made him really popular with poor people, but rich people were super not happy. And he even took away his own mother's land and gave it to poor peasants okay that's well, I mean that seems fair yeah I know so he basically he redistributed about 15% of the country's wealth with that one act of just moving stuff around also in the first 30 months of his government more classrooms were opened in Cuba than in the previous 30 years combined wow yeah so really into the education really into the healthcare. um Judges and politicians had their pay reduced while low-level civil servants had theirs raised. And he also lowered rents for really poor people. So he was there for the everyman, man. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, where it gets complicated, um, I think it's hard for, for us who are not from the region to understand, but Cuba is like really, really, really close to Florida. Right. And so all these like really educated people who suddenly had their land taken away and their salaries reduced were just like, well, fuck this. I'm going to swim to Florida and go have a good life. 
And so that's called the brain drain. It's basically brain drain. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically um it's not unpolpot-esque, except that Castro is not killing anybody. He's just taking away some of their power and not really caring if they have to risk their life to leave. Like there's no other option. I think that's the issue with Castro is that I think he thought he was doing good things. It's just that he left no room for anyone with a difference of opinion. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like what I, I don't know who told me this. I wish I could remember who. Maybe it's someone we both know. But someone, someone in my life went to Cuba once for like a week and said that um, the only food available the whole time was eggs. Oh. Yeah. So there was enough food. It's just that it was all eggs. Uh, Castro is all about socialism, which um, during the height of the Cold War is not what the US are about. So tensions between the US and Cuba like really ramp up because there are all these educated Cubans escaping to Florida and then there's this communist country right on their doorstep and there's nukes and there's all kinds of shit and things are tense. Uh, so in 1960, President Eisenhower authorized the CIA to overthrow Castro's government and he gave them $13 million and permitted them to work with the Cuban mafia to get it done. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, then in 61 is when the Bay of Pigs happened. Do you know what the Bay of Pigs is, mate? Um. Not really. I, well, I don't really understand why it's called the Bay of Pigs. Is that the place? I don't know why it's called the Bay of Pigs either. I, it might just be the place, I think. But basically the US, in addition to providing that $13 million, they funded some of the Cuban expats that were probably living in Florida to basically invade this one coast and fuck shit up. But it didn't work. It was just a horrible, horrible, horrible failure and it just made everything worse. Oh, God. And lots of people died, did they? 176 Cuban armed forces were killed and 2,000 of the militia. Wow. So that's not great for the US government to sort of accidentally kill 2,000 people that they hired to secretly overthrow their government. No. Sorry, when was this? What year? 61. And who's the president of the USA then? White Eisenhower. Oh, still Eisenhower. You really got a good go of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Then the next year after that is the Cuban Missile Crisis, which is different to the Bay of Pigs but kind of the same. No, I don't don't know about this one. So the Cuban Missile Crisis, this is my high-level understanding. Um, The... Castro and the Soviets had this deal where the Soviets would send by boat a whole bunch of nuclear missiles to Cuba so that if the Americans decided to nuke them that they had some right on their doorstep that could fuck shit up. The US found out about it when the boat left Russia and the boat took 13 days to get from Russia to Cuba. I don't know why it took so long, whatever. And so for 13 days the US were saying, Turn the boat around, turn the boat around, or we're gonna we're gonna nuke you. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. We're definitely doing it. We're, we've got our finger on the button. We're gonna do it. And the Russians were just like, "Well, if you do it, 
we're going to nuke you back. We're going to do it. Everyone's going to nuke everyone, so good luck. And for seven days, both countries had their fingers on the nuke button and, like, it could go off at any moment and the whole world just had to, like, watch. Men are so fucking stupid. I know. I know. Um, And eventually the boat got to... Cuba and they by the time it got to Cuba they'd come to some agreement and the nukes were sent back to Russia and the crisis was averted but it's known as like the crisis point of the cold war because it could have destroyed the planet yeah right whoa about his beard his beard is iconic yep uh, always had it, and he had it because he started out basically in guerrilla warfare and you would have to disguise yourself, and so he just grew his beard. But I found this one quote, which I think might sum up his personality really well. It's about his beard. Mm-hmm. If you multiply the 15 minutes you spend shaving every day by the number of days in a year, you'll see that you devote almost 5,500 minutes to shaving. An eight-hour day of work consists of 480 minutes, so if you don't shave, you gain about 10 days that you can devote to your work, to reading, to sport or whatever you like. So we just didn't shave to save time. I mean, that's clever. I can't believe I'm siding with Fidel Castro on many things, but he like he has a good point. And isn't the reason that like women shave their legs because like some razor brand did a marketing campaign in the in the 20s or 30s or something to to make women think that hairy legs were bad and then so now we shave our legs i fucking hate shit like that finally just to leave you with this thought there were an estimated 634 attempts to kill castro by the u.s government none of them succeeded the and the plots were like weird and wacky and very 60s so uh one of them Castro really liked to scuba dive and so at one point they planted a fake explosive seashell in the open, in the ocean, so that when he um, swam by it would explode. But (laughs) They put um, disease-causing fungus in his wetsuit and um, tuberculosis bacteria on his breathing apparatus and still he didn't die. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. They um they made a fountain pen that had a needle in it that if he was stabbed with it he would uh be injected with botulism and die and it wouldn't be traceable. Um, um they even tried to use exploding cigars. Wow, that's crazy. I know. So that's that's Castro and that's Cuba and fucking eat your eggs and live your life. Okay, on a first date with Fidel Castro, where would you go? What would you do? How would it end? Okay, I think uh, we go driving around in one of the vintage cars and we eat our eggs and it's glorious. And then um, he goes for a bit of a dive and a seashell explodes and he dies and I get to go home. (laughs) Simple. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. And you can, while you're on the, in the car, you can um, grab his cigars from his glove box. Oh, no, don't because maybe the US has tried to poison them. Oh, can you imagine if you went to Cuba, 
got your hands on some cigars, figured out how to smuggle them home, you go out to light one and it explodes in your face because it's fucking from Eisenhower? (laughs) Exactly. And he's the one worried about Castro and the nukes. What a dickhead. (laughs) I love how Eisenhower's turned into a dickhead in this podcast. Uh, thanks very much for taking us to Cuba and learning about Fidel Castro's beard, eggs, and failed nuclear acquisition. You are so welcome. I uh, I look forward to seeing you in Cuba sometime soon. And yeah, well, uh, are those Cuban sandwiches from Cuba? Do you think? <laughs> no, I think they're from um, some deli in New York. Yeah, probably. <laughs> anyway, Cubans and cigars, it'll be great. Uh, peace out, bitches. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you all of a sudden. Bye. Hey, Rossi, guess what? You're mad and I'm not. Haha. <laughs> no, we aren't journalists. No, we are not. Sometimes we get confused with the facts and our accuracy is not always on point. Agree. If you have questions for us or comments about anything we cover, you can get in touch with us on our email. Hello at lkandrossi.com or you can check out our website, lkandrossi.com. Love you. See you all of a sudden.